Welcome to Fick Focus, where Bloomberg Intelligence fixed income, credit currency, and commodity strategists and analysts discuss their short and long-term views on debt markets and issuers. Now, here's the Bloomberg Intelligence Fick Research Team. Welcome to FX Moments, which is part of our Fick Focus podcast series. My name is Audrey Charles Freeman. I'm the Chief G10 Currency Strategist for Bloomberg Intelligence. And today I am joined by Stephen Chu, who is our Chief Asia FX and Rate Strategist. So following, the, following on to the price action that we've had on the euro and on euro dollar over the past few weeks, and as a reminder, euro dollar is actually up nearly 5% from its September low uh, near 95 I just want to discuss the outlook for the euro and talk about what I feel could be the path towards a sustainable euro recovery. So what are the conditions for that to happen? And is it premature to conclude that the, the recent revival in the euro is the start of a new bullish outlook for, for the single currency. So the way I want to approach this is to think uh, about the two drivers that have been taking the euro lower this year. And actually, since uh, since mid-2021. Uh, uh, the first driver um, is the Fed story and the yield-driven uh, downside in the euro slash upside in the dollar. And when you think about the Fed outlook, we, we all agree that the Fed is not done yet. And the Fed consistently tell us that not only will they hike rates more, but rates are going to stay high for longer than what the market was uh, initially expecting anyway. And, and that has been a key negative for the euro this year. Um, but uh, what I would say is that this story is increasingly priced in. And even if the Fed isn't done yet, there's this feeling that the, the peak in, in Fed rates uh, is, is getting closer than it was, say, six months ago. At the same time, we've had more hawkishness in the language from the European Central Bank. So I feel that the relative yield story between the Fed and the ECB uh, may become, uh, over time, less negative for, for the euro. Uh, and, and that's one important uh, reason. And the other, the other point I would make is risk appetite. And the risk on story. And that's, in my view, that's the most, probably the, the very, the most relevant factor to kind of uh, be able to establish uh, that we could have a better outlook for euro dollar. So what's been driving risk appetites? And the, the one, the first point I would highlight is the Fed story. And we talked about it. And that has, you know, hawkishness in the Fed, the high inflation story that have contributed to uh, the lack of risk appetite and to the equity market choppiness that we've seen this year. Uh, but as I said, this is kind of, uh, it, it's perhaps fading a little bit as, as an argument in, in any case. The second point I would make, and that's very important and very relevant for Europe, and that is the war premium. So the war premium had certainly been an overwhelmingly bearish uh, driver for the euro this year. And I kind of feel that uh, we've, uh, we're approaching a time where the market is kind of learning to live with the 
war uh, negative headlines and the negative impact that it is having on the currency seem to be fading a little bit. And the other point I would make, and there has been some recent talks about US, uh, the US and Russia at least talking, uh, and that could be um, uh, helpful in setting a more optimistic outlook with regards to the prospect for at least uh, talking about a potential uh, resolution uh, in, in this conflict. And, and if that was to be confirmed, uh, it's still very conditional, but if that was to be confirmed, obviously it would be a, a game changer, I think, for, for the euro outlook. The third point I would I would mention here, and this is something we've that's only been kind of in focus in the past two weeks for Europe anyway, and that's the China reopening story. So there was speculation that uh, that could happen sooner than expected. We've seen the euro doing extremely well on the back of that Um in, in recent uh, session and last week. Uh, and I think that whatever whatever you believe, uh, this, certainly the reopening of the Chinese economy, given China's importance for, for Europe's trade, uh, would be a, a very bullish um, development uh, for, for the euro. But this, this, this is far from a done deal. And actually, Stephen, why don't you tell us what you think about this uh, current speculation, market speculation, uh, I, sh I should say maybe hope uh, that China may be getting closer to reopening? Sure. Thank you, Audrey. As you said, uh, recently there have been some China reopening chatters that fueled some relief rally, both in the currency and also in the Chinese equities. Um, so chatters including like China might shorten the COVID quarantine requirements for the inbound travelers, and also China may actually approve the usage of the BioNTech vaccines. Now, nonetheless, these have all been proved to be unfounded. Uh, firstly, China's National Health Commission, which is like the spokesperson regarding COVID policy, has came out and reiterated last weekend that China would not move away from the COVID zero policy just yet. And uh, secondly, uh, even BioNTech's executive uh, came out and said earlier this week that while there had been some progress in the discussion with China, the outcome has remained uncertain in terms of the approval of the vaccine. So um, actually, if you have been in the market long enough, you could almost suspect that the spreading of this unverified news could be associated with some fishy intentions. On this matter, um, we looked at the intraday price movement in the yuan very closely last week, and it had been very peculiar. For example, the yuan rallied substantially during Asia time zone and then just fell all the way back later in the day, and it repeated and repeated last week until this week. So we remain very skeptical about the possibility of a reopening as of that happening. But regardless, um, so China's persistence with zero COVID shouldn't come as a surprise because um, President Xi Jinping has been uh, very persistent about this strategy, basically since day one, since the pandemic outbreak in 2020, and he has never softened his tone on this. However, the rest of the world criticized China on this strategy. And uh, in fact, the upcoming new number two of the Politburo Standing Committee Li Chang, who is very likely to be named the new premier next March, uh, was well known of being very strict in adhering to Xi's um, orders. And he, in fact, implemented very stringent lockdown in the Shanghai city earlier this year. So that tells you 
how important zero COVID is um, to President Xi Jinping. And uh, so all in all, we would remain very careful and very skeptical about the reopening story until we get official confirmation, meaning either you hear from the health ministry or you hear from the president himself. It will never be too late to join the relief rally, whether we're talking about the Yuan or Chinese equities, but uh, we'd rather be safe than sorry at this juncture. Yeah. So, I mean, I suppose the timing, timing is the big challenge, uh, is, is the real big challenge here. So in terms of, I mean, you touched on that, but in, in terms of currency implication for the yuan, so what are your prospects um, in terms of yuan upside on, on the reopening, uh, in terms of levels and what are what is the outlook that you have for the currency um, if we don't get this reopening just yet, which seems to be uh, your your central working assumption at the moment? Yeah, that's correct. So um, if China chooses to reopen, um, as you said, it's a matter of time. But if it happens, we suspect it will be after the March National People's Congress next year, which is where China will decide the next batch of um, highest government officials. So they don't want any distraction before that. So if any reopening is going to happen, it's going to be after that. And obviously, if that happens, there will be a boost in the sentiment for the yuan in the very near term. So in terms of levels, we could be talking about dollar China dropping right towards the 7 to 7.1 support. I mean, I think that's very likely. And that's because a reopening logically would allow people flow to normalize within the country. Now that could boost not just retail consumption, but then like workers, uh, they, they will be less disrupted and they can actually go to work. And hence the earlier uh, policy support, whether it's monetary or fiscal policy support, um, it's going to be better transmitted. We're going to get a boost in infrastructure investment. We're going to get see support in properties. So the economy itself will get some stabilization on the back of reopening. Now, it's also good for um, currencies outside of the Chinese yuan. So when we look at that, um, other Asian currencies like the Thai baht and the Indonesian rupiah could also benefit uh, because of the return of Chinese tourists because it's a, so it's a very important part of inflows over the years uh, through the service account. Uh, now, nonetheless, uh, note that once the China's outbound tourism normalized towards the pre-COVID levels, then um, basically um, this would turn into a structural headwind for the yuan which has always been the case before COVID. And the yuan could weaken once again when all the good factors are pricing, talking about the medium term. And actually, I think right now we also have to care about the other key support for the yuan, um, which has been supporting the yuan over the last two years, and it has been China's ginormous trade surplus. So basically, um, trade surplus, don't get me wrong, it's still very, it's still very large, but then the fact is that it could be peaking and it, it start narrowing going forward just because the world's external demand could weaken further on the back of um, further tightening everywhere and also with the possibility of a global recession. Now, that's the, that's the good side if China reopens. But what if, if China doesn't reopen, which is our central working assumption, as you said, if COVID zero stays, then obviously market will continue to view this as a negative development and the pressure on the yuan would remain in place. Now, if we get um, even, even worse um, in the macro numbers, in the data, 
then uh, we may be talking about the dollar China actually rising again towards the previous high that was um, 737. So that's certainly a key level to watch. But of course, having said that, um, if you look um, further in town uh, in the medium to longer term, um, geopolitical tension matters. As you said, uh, things could get better um, between Russia and Ukraine. But um, as everybody knows, the, the situation between US and China remains very dicey. So if anything exacerbates, then um, market could start to look into an alternative to the reserve currencies to the dollar. I mean, the dollar is still the most uh, dominant reserve currency, but then at least for the other, other choices, uh, market may actually think about the yuan again. Now, in fact, the latest BIS triannual survey showed that the yuan is now the fifth most trade currency globally. And that's up from number eight from three years ago. And being number fifth actually matters because it matched the relative importance. If you also look at the IMF COFER data, so look at the currency share among global ethics reserves. So that plays the yuan uh, better as a major reserve currency as well. Uh, Moreover, we believe that uh, President Xi's dual circulation and common prosperity strategies would actually turn out to be UN positive in the long run. And we wrote a note about this earlier this year. So last but not least, um, we can look at valuation and the UN could be deemed undervalued both against the dollar and also against the basket of currency. So if that has to adjust, then that will be another long-term tailwind for the Chinese currency. So basically, Stephen, what we're saying here is that the cyclical weakness in the Chinese yuan could continue, uh, but the structural um, upside in the currencies, which is a theme that we've been talking about for, for quite a while now, that's also continuing and that's actually captured in, in the data, as you said, in the reserve currency data. Is that is that correct? Yep. Yeah, that's that, correct. That, that, that's very interesting. So so going back to the euro and so the bottom line is that you know we can't we can't get too carried away with the prospect of an, an imminent Chinese reopening. But what I would say the, the take I would make here is that any kind of positive signal on that front um, at some point perhaps next year in the course of next year, as you said, uh, end of, end of Q1, uh, that that would uh, Add onto the onto the bullish and to the upside, and the price action that we've seen uh, certainly reinforces that point. I, I think in the meantime, the, there's a strong upside momentum in the euro. Uh, we can't get carried away just yet. That in a sense that you know the drivers, um, there's not enough evidence yet that the, the drivers have turned. But you could see how it is happening, and you could see how quickly the market can adjust. And, and, I and I suppose that given positioning and given how much of a move we've had, not just this year, but it's been 18 months now uh, in the dollar, uh, the, the adjustment can, can happen ve very quickly. Uh, and certainly the, the price action at the moment is, is supportive for the euro um, into, into year-end. So this concludes our latest FX, FX podcast. Uh, any question, please reach out to Stephen or to myself. Uh, just a quick reminder that uh, our research can be found on the Bloomberg Terminal. You go on to the BI Curve page. I hope you found the podcast interesting. And until next time, goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.